When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on. Baby, don't you want to go? Well, come on. Baby, don't you want to go? Back to the same old place. Sweet home, Chicago. All right, welcome everybody back to Bears Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Lapka, alongside my co-host, Chris Nano. Today, joined by a very special guest from NBC Sports Chicago, it's J.J. Stankiewicz. J.J., how's it going? It's good, guys. How are you? Not too bad. Surviving. Uh, at least we have some Bears news to talk about. That's the good thing, right? We got the schedule release information about a few days ago, so we want to start off with that. JJ, just kind of your fresh thoughts about the schedule and how it uh, played out for the Bears in 2020. Yeah, I mean, I think my first thought is we need to see if it actually plays out the way the NFL released it uh, last week, given it's impossible to predict what the nation will look like in September when the NFL is hoping to start their schedule. Um, but let's just talk about it like it's going to happen as planned, um, because there's really no use in speculating on, you know, what games are going to get moved or what games are going to get postponed or whatever it may be. So I think it starts off really good for the Bears where you start in Detroit and then you get the Giants at home. That's a really nice little runway for trying to, do, to find that offensive identity that the Bears never found last year. And I think it's a really important thing for whoever the starting quarterback is. I think after the first two weeks of the season, we're going to know if that guy is probably going to be the starter all year or if he's going to be benched by the end of the month. Um, I I think you're going to see, you know, if it's Mitch Trubisky starting week one, you know, if he goes into Detroit and then beats the Giants and plays well in both those games, he's going to have a little more rope, uh, you know, if he maybe struggles against some good defenses that'll crop up in the Colts and the Buccaneers later uh, later in the early part of the year. Uh, the flip side to it is that if it's Trubisky or even if it's Nick Foles, if they start off the season against those two teams, the Lions and the Giants, and they don't play well, then we're going to know that that guy probably should not be the starting quarterback for much longer. Because if you can't go out and beat the Giants or the Lions, you probably can't go out and beat the Buccaneers and the Colts and the Saints and some of these other really talented defenses that they're going to face, you know, the Vikings, the Packers later in the year. So. I think it's a, it sets up really nicely for the Bears not only to get off to a quick start, but to kind of solidify what their offense is going to look like uh, for the 2020 season. JJ, you mentioned the quarterback situation, and I thought it's worth considering the fact that Mitch Trubisky, you know, regardless of his play against other teams, has played very, very well against the Detroit Lions. There they are playing the Detroit Lions week one. Does that have any... Uh, impact on the possibility of Mitch Trubisky being the starter week one and the fact that he's playing a team that he is very familiar and very good against? You know, I, I don't, I, it, it might, I, I really think it might. Um, I don't want to put too much emphasis on that one game, but I think 
this is something that uh, we were talking about in the Under Center podcast with uh, my co-host Adam Hogan, Cam Ellis, where we were saying that, you know, the there have been some signs that the Bears are really wanting Mitch to be their their week one starter. They, they're not guaranteeing it, certainly, but that that's their number, their best case outcome. And you can make a case that starting Mitch against the Lions, as long as the Lions are still stupidly playing, you know, cover zero man all the time, is a good idea because Mitch has shown he can beat them in Matt Nagy's system. The downside, though, is, you know, if you're putting all that emphasis on one game, then if Mitch goes out and he plays well against the Lions, it's going to sort of be like, well, yeah, that's what he always does. It hasn't really proven anything else about the rest of the, the what he can do over the course of a full season in his career. He can just go and play really well against defenses coordinated by, you know, designed by Matt Patricia. So I think that that is a, a, an interesting thing here. I, I will say that if, if Mitch goes out and he, let's say he's the week one starter, he throws like 300 yards and three touchdowns against the Lions in week one. I'm going to feel better about him, but I'm not going to feel like so much. But I, I think he's going to have to go out and do it again against the mm-hmm. Giants, um, you know, a team that he, he kind of struggled against last year. Uh, if he can go out and do that, then the Bears are going to have consecutive games in which their offense will have played well, which has really been few and far. But those have been few and far between in the Matt Nagy era. And, you know, Nagy talked at the combine about wanting to find this sense of urgency uh, and find it quicker in terms of the offense and finding their identity. And you can find an identity really quick if you face two bad teams to start the year, no matter who your quarterback is. Your identity can be shaped, and, and then you're going into games against you know the Falcons, Colts, Buccaneers with some confidence, uh, as opposed to if you start off the season with two really bad games against two bad defenses, it's going to be hard to rebound from that, whoever the starting quarterback is. And here, here's the thing that I that I see about it as well, and this is what we know about Mitch Trubisky and about I think this team as a whole is confidence, right? And they have an opportunity with, you could argue, an easier schedule, I would say, in those first five games and an opportunity to gain confidence and to gain some momentum there in those first five games. Well, look at what happened last year where the Bears scored three points against the Packers. They needed an incredibly lucky call on Bradley Chubb getting roughing the passer against the Broncos to even go win that game. And then they played the, you know, they played Washington and they scored 31 points, but seven came out of pick six and Mitch still had three bad quarters in that game. He just did one really good quarter. So, you know, they never were really able to get off to that kind of strong start that they wanted last year. I mean, their, their best offensive games early in the year in terms of complete games were, you know, the, the Washington game and then Chase Daniel against the, the Raiders. So they never were able to find that identity. And I think their schedule did have a, a little bit to do with it. You know, having to face really good defenses in Green Bay, Denver and Minnesota in the first three, you know, three of the first five games. Get it just, you know, it's kind of what I was saying, getting those back to back games to just kind of build confidence straight out of the gate or alternatively to know that the quarterback you have is not going to cut it is really important because if this team doesn't find its offensive identity again, they're going to be right back where they were last year. And that's not a playoff team. Yeah. Um, JJ, I just had a, I just had a quick, um, if you had to, if you had to take your guess right now, who would you say is starting week one? Nick Foles. Uh, I, I think that the, the amount of trust that Matt Nagy has baked into his relationship with Nick Foles 
and the amount of times Matt Nagy has seen Mitch Trubisky struggle to do what he wants in this offense, I, I just think that Foles is going to win out here. And, you know, Mitch can still come out and have a really great camp and kind of show what the Bears, I think, want to get out of. Like, the, the Bears' best case is that Mitch Trubisky starts this year, that trading for Nick Foles creates this atmosphere for Mitch that finally gets him, get, gets everything to click. And all of a sudden, he's the guy they thought they were getting three years ago, not the guy who has been wildly inconsistent over the course of his three years in the league. So that that is the Bears' best case. They want Mitch to win this thing, but I think they have to believe that Foles is going to win it because the the tape for Mitch has just not been there. And, you know, Foles has not had a, a season where he started double-digit games in a while, and he's really been good at, you know, it's just it sort of feels like taking a, like a really great closer and moving him to your starting rotation in, you know, going with Foles. But I just think that that trust factor that Nagy has with Foles is going to win out. Um, you know, I think if they're relatively even during training camp, I think Foles is the guy. If Mitch is slightly ahead of Foles, I still wouldn't be surprised if Foles is the guy. I think Mitch has to do more in training camp to win the job than Foles does. Um, I think Foles can have just sort of a solid training camp, be like, all right, yep, you're who we, we, you're who we thought we, we were getting. Uh, Mitch has to prove he's someone else uh, where Foles doesn't have to do that. What do you think is the likelihood, whether it's Trubisky or Foles, that either one of them, like if they start week one, plays all 16 games? Because, I mean, both have been inconsistent. And with a guy like that, at any given moment, they say, you know, we're going to turn to the other guy. I mean, if it's Foles, Trubisky, I mean, do you think it's likely that no matter who it is, they play all 16? No, I don't. Because if you look at Foles' career, again, like I was saying, he hasn't started more than a full season in a, or more than half a full season in a really long time. And that could be an injury thing. It could be an ineffectiveness thing. You know, not all that has obviously been in his control uh, with the Carson Wentz situation in Philadelphia. But I think that if Foles is your week one starter, I'm not sitting here saying he's going to start all 16 games from, you know, opening against Detroit to finishing against Green Bay. I think there's a good chance that Mitch will start another game. The flip side of that is that if Mitch is your week one starter, I am not betting him on, on him being your full season starter. A, he has missed games in the past, um, you know, due to some injuries, but also he's never had a backup who can realistically step in for him. He's only had Chase Daniel and Chase and Mike Glennon, and neither of those guys are going to come off the bench for him if he was being ineffective. So now he's got that guy in fulls. So even if Mitch is your week one starter, even if he's playing relatively well in the first four or five games of the season, if he hits a lull, I think the Bears are still going to seriously consider benching him because, again, it's that trust factor of Nick Foles. If you can just trust Foles to go out and manage a game and make a couple throws to win you a couple games with a really good defense, they're going to go with him. They're not going to go with the guy who has not proven himself to be a consistent game-by-game steady winner in the NFL. Does that concern you at all? You know, the fact that you have to switch. And we've seen teams do that, but you obviously would love to have continuity. Does it concern you? Or do you think, you know, whoever's the best player is playing? I mean, that seems like the logical thing to do um, if you're just playing the best guy at that time. Well, it concerns you because if you're talking about changing quarterbacks in the middle of the season in May, you probably don't have a good quarterback. 
or, <laughs> you, you know, your quarterback situation is definitely right. subpar compared to the rest of the league. So, yeah, it's, it's concerning that the Bears are, you know, an open competition at quarterback means you don't have someone you can say that guy's definitely going to be the starter, which in most cases means you don't have a good quarterback on your roster. I don't know if that's going to be the case for the Bears. They might be the exception to the rule here. Um, you know, or maybe Foles wins it so quickly that it never really was an open competition. But I think that it's it's concerning when you zoom out and you look at the rest of the league. You know, not a lot of teams are going to go into training camp legitimately not knowing who their quarterback is going to be. The Bears might, you know, outside of maybe the Dolphins with Tua or, uh, really, you know, I can't really think of a whole lot of other teams. You know, teams know who their quarterback is going to be across the league and the bears don't. And that could be a big problem for them this year. It could be their undoing. Or if the bears, if everything goes the way the bears want it to, then this competition brings out the best in Trubisky or it brings out the best in Foles, And that guy does start all 16 games, but I, I am not betting on that being the case right now. Do you have any type of record prediction based off this schedule right now? Or are you going to save that for later? So I, on NBC Sports Chicago, I went with 10 and 6, which okay. felt, it felt high when, when I was doing it. But then I went back and I, I, you know, I did a game by game prediction and I, I didn't think it was all that unreasonable. I think the, yeah. the, the Bears defense is still really good and it is, it is a playoff caliber defense with the talent that's on it. So that alone gets you eight or nine wins every year if you've got that yeah. level of a defense that the Bears have. And if their offense can just come through in a couple of those games and flip, you know, 10 to 3 against the Packers into 13 to 3, it's not a big ask. But if they can just do that, then they're going to win 10 games against an easier schedule than they had last year. So I think that I think 10 wins is very much in sight. That gets them into the playoffs as the, you know, a 5, 6 or 7 seed and as the Titans showed last year, all you have to do is get in, and if you get hot at the right time, you can make some real waves. Yeah. Um, so I I had a quick question. So um, I, I want to hear, if you had to pick a breakout player on the offense and defense, who would you go with? So on offense, I'm going to go with Anthony Miller. Yep. Uh, you know, he's been sort of close to breaking out the last two years, but hasn't really done, he hasn't become the, the you know, big time receiver the Bears were hoping they were going to get a guy to develop into in the second round a couple of years ago. But I, I keep seeing flashes from him that I really like. Um, I'm not saying he's going to have a thousand yard season, but I think breakout as the unquestioned number two, especially with Tabor, Taylor Gabriel gone, um, I think he, he's in for a, a pretty solid year this year. Then on defense, if I had to pick a breakout candidate on defense, it's, it's kind of hard because <laughs> we know who's on the defense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's probably a cop-out to say Roy Robertson Harris because he's been <laughs> so impressive in, yeah. in, you know, rotational duties. Um, so, well, okay. I'll get uh, Jalen Johnson. That's kind of another yeah. easy one. Um, I think he's a fantastic player. Uh, he's got the he's got the perfect mindset to come in and play corner in the NFL right off the bat, and you know if as long as his shoulders are okay, I think the Bears have a they they got themselves a week one starter in him who's going to have 
a really, really nice career with the Bears. I and I think he's he would be he would be my kind of easy breakout candidate, him and Roy Robertson Harris. But again, the defense doesn't have a lot of those guys who you're sort of like waiting to break out because they're all veterans or they've already broken out. Yeah. Right. Do JJ, do you think the Bears have the best defense in football? Uh in football. In all of the NFL, do they have the number one defense based off of the current roster that's in place? Yeah, you know, it's it's hard because I think the 49ers defense is still really good. Just their defensive line is is incredible. Um, I think from a talent perspective, though, if Robert Quinn is who they expect him to be, which I expect him to be that guy is a, a double-digit sack guy, you know, you, they short up the other cornerback position with Jalen Johnson. Uh, they short up safety with Deshaun Gibson. I don't see why the Bears can't be the number one defense in the NFL again as they were in 2018. Um, but defenses are notoriously kind of hard to pin down. Um, they're they're much more they, they, there's much more fluctuation with them from year to year. It's really hard to have the number one defense in the league two years in a row. So you know there are a lot of really talented defenses in the NFL. The Bears are certainly among them. They have what it takes to be the number one defense. But you know I I look at some of the other, you know, San Francisco's got a good one. I think Denver, you know, Vic Fangio is obviously such a mastermind there. I, I think Denver could have a really good defense. Uh, Green Bay's still got a lot of talent. So there there are definitely some defenses out there that are going to be really good competing with the Bears. But, yeah, the Bears could definitely be the number one defense in the league. So, JJ, here's why I asked that question, because this kind of ties into the whole record prediction thing. And it seems like a lot of people inside of the Bears community, you have them at 10 and 6. I've got them at 11 and 5. I think Chris has them over 500. I mean, a lot of people within the Bears community have the Bears as a most likely playoff team, but also for sure a winning team. That's not the same in the national NFL Mm -hmm. community. Why is that? You know, what, what What? do these other analysts see other than the quarterback situation that makes them believe the Bears are going to be a 5-11 and 11 team? They see the quarterback situation. That's it. And that's okay. I, I get it. Like, the, the Bears are the team that drafted Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. They do not deserve the benefit of the doubt from a national perspective. So if you're a national guy, and, you know, last year at this time, I remember uh, Andy Benoit from Sports Illustrated was getting laughed at by people in Chicago because he picked them to go seven and nine and finish last in the North. He was only off by one game. They didn't go last in the North because the Lions suck, but he was only off by a game. You know, when you don't have the quarterback right, every prediction is fair game. You know, I was asked on uh, Sports Talk Live the other day on, on NBC Sports Chicago if it's fair to expect the Bears to finish under 500. And I said, yeah. Because you, if you don't know who's playing quarterback and you are not convinced that this team can find the right quarterback, then you can pick them to go wherever you want. You can pick them to go 12-4 and four and say, well, you know, Nick Foles is going to have a great year. Okay, I'll listen to that. You can pick them to go 4-12 and 12 and say Nick Foles hasn't been a consistently good starter over a, a long stretch of games in a season in a really long time, and Mitch Trubisky has not got it done in his three years. So... Yeah, I, I get why now the level of being so close to it here in Chicago, where we saw 2018, and still believe that can happen again. Um, but I mean, you guys hit a you know hit a really good point here because when I did my predictions, I kind of went back and I was like, should I have kind of skewed those down? 
because our pe- are the only people who are high in the bears living in the city of Chicago. That might be the case. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it's it's it goes to, back to the quarterback conversation. And I, I want to kind of bring this up because it, it circled around Bears Twitter a few days ago. And I just want to know your opinion on it. Just just about the whole Deshaun Watson. I, I know you've seen it. And and he quote tweets the Doug Gottlieb tweet about, you know, the Bears never once talked to me. And then the Rich Eisen show comes out with their little audio clip. And, you know, people are back and forth. And it really started quite a swirl. Uh, on Bears Twitter, but just kind of your your whole thoughts on that. I mean, do you know if the Bears, I mean, they didn't do their due diligence, but did they at least talk to him? Did they at least, you know, do do something to at least have any type of consideration for Deshaun Watson? Just your whole take on that situation that uh, transpired last Friday. Yeah, the, the Bears did scout Deshaun Watson, but they dismissed him far too quickly. And they did not do enough due diligence on him because I think had they looked into him and, and and maybe looked past some of the measurables that were not up there with Mitch and Patrick Mahomes, they would have just seen a guy who's a winner and a, a guy whose game translates to the NFL far more in 2017 through 2020 than it, it ever has in league history. I really think that they, their biggest mistake was not that like they got, they got caught up in traits and, that almost got them Patrick Mahomes, which would have been great. They would have the best quarterback in the league right now. But they they got caught up in, I think, in kind of the story of Mitch. You know, there was, a, you know, the joke about the 97 Toyota Camry that he still drives. <laughs> no, that's amazing. And you know, Deshaun, talk to anyone at Clemson and they'll tell you about Deshaun Watson. Like this guy, this guy is a winner. He's an incredibly brilliant football mind who also, by the way, can do literally everything on a field that you need a quarterback can, to do. He doesn't have the, the, the rocket arm who can put so much zip on a ball, but he can get the ball downfield, and he can do he can do the things that you need a quarterback to do and do them at an, an incredibly high level. And the, this is where I, I think I, I know this isn't a very popular opinion, but I don't blame the Bears for not taking Patrick Mahomes. Like, Patrick Mahomes yeah. turned out to be the best quarterback in the NFL and one of the best quarterbacks I think we're going to see in league history when it's all said and done. But when he was at, at the time in 2017, there was not a consensus on him. And I think Deshaun Watson, my gripe is that Deshaun Watson, if the Bears had Deshaun Watson in 2018, they would have won the Super Bowl. They would have done it with Patrick Mahomes too, probably. But I think Deshaun Watson steps in is unaffected by playing in a bad system in 2017 because he system doesn't matter. Sean Watson's going to win and whatever. And it turned out Mahomes can do the same thing, but to, you know, to just throw Watson out as quickly as the bears seemed to do was just, it was malpractice when you are looking at the other quarterbacks in that class. And I thought it was malpractice at the time that they didn't take him. Um, you know, if you go back, I did, mock Deshaun Watson to the Bears in our final mock draft on NBC Sports Chicago that year, um, just because I thought he was he was the safest bet to be a great quarterback in the NFL, and the Bears didn't think so. They thought Mitch was going to be the guy, and here we are. They were wrong. They were very wrong. Yeah. Um. So you you said uh you said you know they they fell in love with traits and uh they that almost got them Mahomes. So are, are you saying that they were higher on Mahomes than Watson? Yes. Mahomes was in the same cloud 
as Mitch Trubisky. Um, the, the Chicago Tribune, uh, you know, my colleagues that were friends over there, Dan Weeder and Rich Campbell, they did that incredible story last year about why the Bears drafted Mitch Trubisky and not Mahomes and Watson. Um, it, to me, it's the most important Bears story that's been written in the last decade. Um, and the, the details in that are staggering that the the Bears in their draft cloud, which is what Ryan Pace refers to the, the group of players that he'd be willing to take at any spot in the draft, they had Mitch and they had Mahomes in that same cloud. But they had to have Mitch so badly that they traded up one pick to get him. They couldn't settle for Mahomes. And th- there is a very real scenario if Ryan Pace decides, you know what, like, I'm not going to trade up to go get Mitch, that the Niners trade with someone else. They take Mitch. The Bears are like, all right, well, we really wanted Mitch, but we're okay with Mahomes. And they get Mahomes. That's a very real scenario that could have played out. And it's one that is going to haunt this franchise for decades to come that they screwed this up. Yeah. It's going to haunt the franchise and it's going to haunt Ryan Pace. And I just want to, I want to know your kind of thoughts on Ryan Pace because people are back and forth. I mean, in my opinion, He's done a hell of a job constructing the roster. I mean, the turnover when he came in, uh, to my opinion, was incredible. And, you know, he's got one, a few glaring misses uh, uh, other than the Mitch Trubisky miss. I mean, he's got a few others in the draft. The Shaheen, you can bring it up. But, you know, some people think he's on the hot seat. People hate him. Some people like him. Where do you, exactly do you stand with Ryan Pace and his current status here in 2020? Uh, I, first of all, I don't think he's on the hot seat. Um, I can see why you might think that, but... The McCaskey family and Ted Phillips, um, they do not want to get rid of Ryan Pace. I, I think barring some absolutely bonkers bad season, Ryan Pace is going to be the Bears GM again in 2021, which means he might be drafting another quarterback. But, you know, with Ryan Pace, it's 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 interesting because when he misses, he misses big. He misses big on Kevin White. He misses big on Mitch Trubisky, Adam Shaheen. You can throw Leonard Floyd in that bucket. But when he hits... He hits on Eddie Jackson. He hits on Adrian Amos. He hits on Eddie Goldman and Cody Whitehair. And he hits on really good players, Tariq Cohen. So, uh, you know, Ryan Pate, like you said, he, he's done a really good job constructing this roster. But the misses he's had are the kind of misses that can set a franchise back. You know, you have the, the Bears are going to have four straight years of top 10 draft picks and Roquan Smith might be the only one to get his fifth-year option, to actually play on his fifth-year option. If, you know, as long as he can kind of turn things around from a sort of disappointing last year. Uh, that is, that I mean, that is a bad track record. If you have four top 10 picks in consecutive seasons, and you only get one playoff appearance out of it, and not really because of any of those top 10 picks, then... That's bad. You've got to do better. But Ryan Pace has has built a roster because he's done so well mining the sort of middle rounds of the draft for really good talent. Guys who fit, guys who are you know have the right stuff and maybe just aren't the prototypical size like Cohen or you know have some uh, some freak injuries like Eddie Jackson or are you know maybe not, you know, maybe a little undersized, like Nick Kwiatkowski, like he's done such a good job finding those guys that he will stay on. And, and he's built a really good roster outside of the quarterback. And, you know, there are things procedurally I quibble with Ryan Pace on, uh, 
you know, in terms of trading draft capital to move up in almost every draft he's had, um, you know, especially in the first two days that I, I don't like that strategy, um, especially when you oftentimes miss on the guys you're trading up for. Um, but, you know, in terms of contracts, he and Joey Lane have done a really good job managing the salary cap. That has never been a hindrance to anything the Bears want to do, uh, which he deserves a lot of credit for that. He deserves a lot of credit for the house hall renovations that they've they put together. He deserves a lot of credit for putting together a really good scouting staff that has found a lot of these guys in free, you know, in the, in the middle of the draft. And, you know, he, he took some shots on free agents. Not all of them hit, but he also found Akeem Hicks in free agency. Um, he found Danny Trevathan. So I think on the whole, Ryan Pace has done, if you were to look at his whole, you know, if this were, say, you know, a, a series of tests, Ryan Pace has a bunch of A's and a couple F's that drag his grade down. Um, sp- speaking of like the roster construction and all that. And um, I, I, so th- the whole, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, the whole hashtag extend Allen Robinson thing has been trending. Have you heard anything about that or, or where are they on that? Yeah. You know, they're going to get it done is my understanding uh, because it doesn't make any sense to not get it done, but they were not as, close to getting it done as I think some people assumed uh, back in March. You know, Allen Robinson's going to make a ton of money. You know, when when Amari Cooper signed for five years, $100 million, Allen Robinson put out a gif of Will Smith looking giddy. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, because like, Amari Cooper just set Allen Robinson's price. And, you know, Al- Allen Robinson deserves every dollar that he's going to get in his contract. Not just because He's a great wide receiver who's proven that, you know, the the ACL injury he had in Jacksonville did not, will not hamper him for the rest of his career. But the kind of person he is in that locker room, you know, that's the kind of guy you want to reward. He's not, you know, Mike Fury has described it to me as this quiet alpha where Allen Robinson's not going around the locker room, beating his chest, yelling, you know, screaming, being obnoxious, doing any of that stuff. But Allen Robinson knows he's good and he knows he's better than you. And... (laughs) that you know he carries himself with this kind of confidence and and swagger and professionalism that is really nice to have in a locker room uh, you know he's a guy who no one says a bad word about uh, that stuff counts for a lot and th- that is again the kind of guy you want to reward as a franchise so you know if the bears didn't get something done with him it would be a failure on their part but i i don't anticipate that being the case and, and you know when the Bears have done these extensions, for the most part, they've been finalized in August or right before the season. Um, you know, Eddie yeah. Goldman and Akeem Hicks were right before the season started in September. Same with Cody Whitehair, uh, Charles Leno, and Akeem, and uh, no, it was just Charles Leno in 2017. He his extension was done in August. So, you know, usually these things happen right before the start of the season. You know, about a month out. Gotcha. Uh, we're gonna change gears here real quick. You know, JJ, have you been watching The Last Dance? I have. I, I didn't watch the last two episodes uh, on Sunday, though. I haven't got around to them yet. All right. I don't want to spoil it for you, but I do want to ask this question that pertains to the seventh episode uh, that happened on Sunday. You know, Michael Jordan, they were just talking a little bit about how Michael Jordan is actually a very hard guy to be around in practice. You know, he's cursing guys out. He's pushing them to be better, um, but he does it in a, in a very harsh way. 
but you know he he explains that he does it to make them better and he doesn't mean anything personally and I'm just wondering you know is there any kind of guy like that on the Bears you know because the thing about Jordan is you know on the surface no one expected him to be that type of guy and now this documentary is coming out I was like wow you know I had no idea that he was like that in practice so I mean it may not be anybody that we would expect but if you had to guess do you think there's any type of guy like that in practice for the Bears who's just you know you know relentless and in, in pushing guys as hard as they can and being harsh while doing it I you know I don't think there's that harshness aspect to it with any of these guys but I do know that Danny Trevathan is that guy for the Bears in terms of pushing everyone, but he does it in a really positive way. Uh, you know, that from talking to a lot of players, they all say, like, you know, his voice is so important in practice, in meeting rooms, you know, inside Hallis Hall, but he does it in a positive way. You know, it, the way Josh Woods put it to me was, you know, he, he does it, he's really fired, but he's not an a-hole about it. And, you know, I think that, that it's, it fits with the culture of the team where Matt Nagy is a very positive person, um, you know, when it comes to his messaging and the way he pushes his players. And that trickles down to the rest of the guys on the roster. There's not that guy who, you know, is like the, the only one also, I think with the gravitas to do it would be Khalil Mack, but Khalil Mack is a very quiet person. Um, you know, lead by example, let my play do the talking, all that stuff. So, you know, on, on top of that, there's no one else on that roster is, being viewed as a potential future hall of famer you're the best at your position in the league uh you know there's some guys who are near the top like eddie jackson and alan robinson but they're not those guys are not you know michael jordan level so you know i think to be that you got to be you got to be mj and the bears don't have an mj um from you know either a talent perspective which obviously you know i think there's like one mj every every couple decades. Um, but, you know, they don't have that guy and, and they don't have that personality either. And then um, I'm, I'm going to switch gears again. Uh, sorry to be so all over the place, but um, so th- there is this report. Uh, obviously, as you know, Larry Warford got cut by the Saints and there was a report by Pro Football Talk that uh, um, was saying that the Bears are, uh, they were originally interested. That was reported by Brad Biggs. Um, and then there was a report by Pro Football Talk that said they, they're supposedly out of the running. Do you know anything about that? You know, it's interesting because I, I think Larry Warford fits the Bears because he's good. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not quite sure which of those two reports is, is the most accurate because I've kind of heard things on both sides. Uh, I will say, you know, the Bears... Do, they have sent signals that they're okay with their offensive line right now, that they they think that Juan Castillo can get a lot out of Jermaine Effetti and or Rashad Coward at that right guard spot. Um, you know, I don't know how much of that is maybe blowing smoke because those, those are the guys on the roster, but I get the sense that Ryan Pace actually is okay with it. And, you know, you saw it with how he drafted, where he waited until the seventh round to take an offensive lineman. I think the Bears are more okay with their offensive line than some people may want them to be, which is totally fair because their offensive line has to be better. Uh, you know, Larry Warford isn't really a zone blocking guy. He's more of a power guy, but more than anything, again, he's good and the bears need good offensive linemen. I think it doesn't matter what fit he is. He's just good. Uh, so I, I'm interested to see where he winds up and if the bears really did have any serious interest in him, because you know, he, him landing on the market, in May 
feels like it could be kind of a, a parachute for this offensive line, but he's still going to make the money work. You still have to, you know, say, hey, you know, we signed Jermaine Effetti and Jason Spriggs and we got Rashad Coward and now we're going to throw that whole plan out the window. But I think Larry Warford's a guy who you do throw a plan out the window for. You know, the Bears did it four years ago when Josh Sitton fell into their lap. Yeah. And all of a sudden they had Cody Whitehair starting at center in week one when he had never played center before. There are some guys that you just, you got to ditch your plan for. And I, I think Warford could be one of those guys. I'm just more interested to see if the Bears really are interested in him. As we're talking about NFL, the remaining NFL free agents, do you believe the Bears are done? Or, I mean, I doubt they'll make a splash at this point, but you look at maybe a veteran running back, a LaShawn McCoy. Uh, do you think they're done, or is there a few more moves to be made for Ryan Pace on this roster? It's interesting because there are a lot of really good free agents still available, uh, you know, which has not yeah. really happened in the past. But I think, you know, circumstances this year uh, have dictated that not all these free agents who wanted these big money contracts got them like you know Jadavian Clowney the Bears are not getting mm-hmm. Jadavian Clowney I think you hit it pretty succinctly like they're probably done but maybe could be interested in a running back because to me that's kind of that one position where they still could use a veteran yeah. I'm not banking on Artavis Pierce and Ryan Nall and <laughs> uh you know the other uh, Napoleon Maxwell to really have a stiff competition to be the third running back on the roster. I think they, they could use someone like a LaShawn McCoy or a Carlos Hyde or a Devonta Freeman. Devon, or one yeah. Of these guys. Yeah. You know, to, to get on the roster and you're not, you're probably going to sign them to a veteran minimum. Those, those mm-hmm. guys are not going to make big bucks, but essentially, Hey, you know, if you win this job, you're going to be our number two running back. Cause Tariq Cohen's really not a running back. Um, yeah. It's a, a decent place for them to land. I think they just, they need to, go ahead and and actually make that move yep and then um so you know you know the whole tight end situation obviously that everybody's been talking about um so i just wanted to get your your thoughts on the cole Komet pick and kind of how him and jimmy graham are gonna are gonna be you know implemented into the offense yeah i you know i i like the the cole Komet pick um just from the sense that he was the best tight end in this year's draft and he does fill a need for them because they Otherwise, they're going to go to the year with Demetrius Harris as their primary wide tight end, which <laughs> doesn't give you a whole lot of upside. He was a good backup, but I don't think he's not really starting material. So I think, you know, Komet and Jimmy Graham playing the Y and the U respectively makes the Bears tight end room better. I just don't know how much better it's going to be. Like they were so bad last year that adding any warm bodies is going to make them better. But Jimmy Graham is into his mid-30s and showed a lot of signs of decline last year. And there's not a very extensive history of rookie tight ends playing well. So will Cole Komet be better than Adam Shaheen? Absolutely. Will Jimmy Graham be better than Trey Burton and Ben Broniker? Absolutely. I just don't know to what level they're going to be better. And my worry for them is that they're not going to be the, to the level that the Bears need to really get this offense going. That they're only going to be, you know, you're going from like an F to a C minus instead of from an F to a B. That's my concern with the tight ends. Uh, where I, I have, you know, I, I think they've done a good job developing some depth. Like Demetrius Harris, good depth piece. Ben Broniker, good depth piece. J.P. Holtz probably, you know, throw him in that category too. But they're going to need to get much better production, not just better production, much better production out of Komet and Graham than they got out of their guys last year for the, the offense to really go. 
And then last question. I know you got to head out and we're, we're bouncing around topics, but we want to make sure we cover it all. This is something I feel like a lot of people don't talk about. And I want to bring it up with you to see if you have any insight about it. And, and, and it's Mitch Trubisky's leadership aspect. We talked about the quarterbacks a little bit earlier. We talked a little bit about the leadership when we talked about, you know, Danny Trevathan, Cleo Mack in practice. You know, I, I feel like Mitch has shown flashes of leadership. The one game that sticks out to me is against the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, that leadership was on point. He went down, he scored uh, that go-ahead touchdown, and he didn't make a single face about it. That, to me, showed leadership, but I feel like he's not consistent about it, and I feel like it's something he can definitely be better at. But what's kind of that feel uh, about Mitch Trubisky's leadership, not just amongst the players, but just amongst the coaches, amongst himself? I mean, I mean, where, does he, where, where do they stand with that? So Mitch is a really good leader, Actually, he he is like every player who I've ever talked to about him uh, on the record, off the record, whatever, has said this guy's got like that leadership quality that you want in a quarterback. The problem is he is he hasn't been a very good quarterback. It's hard to be a real leader when you're not performing well on the field. And I think that's the problem with Trubisky is that if Mitch were playing at a higher level, he would be a tremendous leader. He's the kind of guy who really can galvanize a team um, with the, the way that he goes about his business, some of the vocal stuff with it. He, he's really good at that. It's na- it comes natural to him. Um, he's the kind of guy who everyone really wants to root for, which you can't, you know, you can't really discount that. Like Mitch is a guy who works hard, who has the kind of mentality that, players rally around that coaches want to coach that fans want to root for the problem is his play and it's it's maybe one of the more like you know sneakily disappointing aspects of this whole thing is that if Mitch Trubisky were good the, he's the perfect quarterback for the city of Chicago when it comes to you know that sort of blue collar trope that always gets thrown out there but that's what Mitch really tries to present himself as and it's not really fake it, it is kind of genuine if he were good he would be so popular in this city but he's just he's he hasn't been a good quarterback and maybe he will be maybe he'll he'll take this opportunity this year and he'll be a better quarterback but it, it's been so disappointing because the city of Chicago would rally around this guy in a way that the city you know has rallied around athletes in the past and it would, it would have been so cool to see that happen. Just the play hasn't been there for Mitch, and, and that's been the undoing of the whole thing. Who knows? Maybe it's not too late. Maybe he'll win a Super Bowl, and all of a sudden uh, we'll be saying different things about, about Mitch Trubisky and all that, and we can only hope. But, JJ, we appreciate you coming on, providing all the insight. This is fantastic. Uh, we hope you're staying safe during this time, staying safe. And- yeah, same to you guys. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, brother. That was fun. Thanks, guys. Well, come yep. on. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you so much. Have a good one. You as well. Take care. Well, come on.